welcome everybody to another episode of Navigating Now, a different podcast. I'm your host, Des Cole. And as always, I have with me my co-host, Jay Bartlett. And today we're very, very excited to welcome the active art director at Complex, Andrea Keeble. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, pleasure to be here with you guys today. Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, uh, really at the beginning of these, I like to get into just the stories and kind of, uh, yeah, the story of just whoever we're talking to. So I guess if you could, I guess, go back and paint us a picture of just you and your younger years and tell us where you grew up and how those early influences shaped you into who you are today. Sure. So I grew up in Michigan. I grew up an hour north of Detroit in a small town, Ortonville, putting it on the map. Uh, few, few come out of there. Um, early influences, though, I would say, you know, I grew up in the country. So, you know, there wasn't a lot going on out there. Uh, we definitely got out to the city as much as we possibly could growing up. And a lot of that was music shows. Um, very grateful to grow up by a pretty big music venue. So we would get some cool tours that would come out uh, in Clarkson, which was like the neighborhood or not really the neighborhood, but the town next door. So that was always cool growing up with that because music was definitely a huge influence on my life, even as like a young age. And it's kind of funny because it's really like all those genres. Like my mom's more like alternative soul R&B. My dad's like very hardcore rock. And then like my brother's this like punk, you know, kind of vibe with like when emo was really big and like the early 2000s. So I kind of have like, amalgamation of like all of that and then like me just loving hip-hop outside of all of that is it's kind of funny um but I think the influence with hip-hop was just who I was hanging out with and who my close friends were and that we all listened to hip-hop so I think that's what really kind of started all that right and at that time who were like who could you remember like the big artists that you would like couldn't wait for their album to drop or like or had their poster on your wall or something like that Definitely like Destiny's Child, TLC, mm-hmm. Missy Elliott. I would say Missy Elliott back then was probably like number one. There's like a very early spread that um, David LaChapelle did. And I don't know what mm-hmm. magazine actually printed it, but that was a spread that I had all over the, all over the walls. And I feel like right. that has honestly really influenced even like my art direction and my style today is like those very early shoots that had the high contrast, the big pops of color. There was just so much fun. Like the picture emulated fun. You could see the Mm -hmm. concept. It's that iconic shot of her eating cereal in a kitchen. Oh yeah, I know that shot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the David LaChapelle shoot that I've represented. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that really kind of sparked everything. Like you, you just, you felt what was going on in the photo. Right, right. Oh, that's that's really cool. Some would say that's the golden era of R and B and hip hop. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess um, going into like high school years and stuff like that um, was, I guess you said you always thought you always loved the artistic side of things, always loved music and everything. Were you also active in just like extracurriculars outside of school and artistic stuff, or did you play sports, or what about that? 
Yeah, so my mom actually was pretty big on putting me in sports. I was only doing sports to get a pair of shoes out of it. So if there was a new pair of shoes associated with me doing a sport, then I was in. Uh, And that kind of goes by like fixation with Nike too. Like as a young kid, like Nike and like early hip hop, like that was Mm -hmm. definitely kind of like the fixation back then. And then um, some of the other skate brands were cool too, though, because I was getting kind of that influence from my brother and like his friends. So that Mm kind of had something to go to, but yeah, I was in sports. Um, I was actually on the golf team and then the palms team. So dance and golf were, were my two extracurriculars in high school. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You don't see that. (laughs) No, no, you definitely don't. Um, so that was fun. And honestly, like, Golf has been one of those things that I'm glad I know how to do. Like, it's a no, fun thing a to kind of sport. like bring up. It's a fun mm. thing just to do with people. And it, it's so unexpected, especially for girls to know how to play golf. So I, yeah. I definitely commend and I'm grateful for my mom pushing those things onto me because it's something that I still have fun with doing to, today. Yeah, golf. I mean, I'm grateful my dad from a young age taught me how to play golf because I feel like just going out for like a whole day and being able to like do that such like a cool experience golf courses are nice but yeah anyways um going from like high school into college um what did you end up studying in college did you have a a good experience and just could you tell just your experience through college yeah so I started out at a four-year university uh that was pretty close to where I grew up, but basically in between like where I grew up in Detroit, I was studying a communications degree there. Honestly, I was pretty bored with it. And that was after year one. And I had this media class at the time that I was taking and I created a presentation for the class and the teacher thought it was plagiarized. She thought I didn't do the presentation. So she marked me down on it because she thought I took it from somewhere, but I I created this on my own. Um, So that kind of sparked something honestly it was like okay this is good enough for the teacher to think that I plagiarized this which is kind of cool honestly even though I was like a little bummed that I was getting marked down but I was like you know it is what it is funny enough though after that I wanted to go to art school so that piece that she thought I was plagiarized ended up going in a portfolio that I submitted into art school which ended up getting me into art school so it's kind of funny how things just Mm-hmm. worked out mm-hmm. so yeah after yeah after I left so I left there I get into art school after I, I go through their process and then that's what led me from like a four-year business degree into art school studying art direction all right all right and then and then how many more years of art school did you did you have to do or I guess get to do <laughs> yeah so I was at CCS for two years And then I had an internship out in LA and that really sparked like my professional career. So I was out in an internship. It was an unpaid internship. Uh, Funny enough, it's actually pretty close to where I live now, but I'm in this internship. The main client for the project ends up not paying. So Hmm. my director who I'm directly reporting to ends up leaving the job. I'm on unpaid intern at the time. He's like, you don't have to come in tomorrow. Like it was that quick. Like I had maybe been there for like, honestly, like 
not even two weeks. Like this was a very, very quick stint. So I ended up getting a call from him. Uh, Maybe this was like a month after that had kind of ended. It might've been even a little bit sooner. I don't remember exactly, but Mm -hmm. he was going to another firm, another small agency, and they wanted to bring me in as freelance capacity. So immediately from that internship, I was uh, getting a freelance role at this other boutique agency. So Uh, that really worked out in my favor to kind of do that. And then I ended up working with them freelancing when I was going back to Detroit because I was in LA for that summer when I was Mm. trying to do that internship and then freelancing with that company. And then I go back to LA to go finish my degree and they end up giving me a job offer at the beginning of junior year. Mm. And I take the job offer and I come back out to LA. So I drop out junior year and and come to take the job in LA. Okay. How did your, uh, how'd your parents feel about that? (laughs) I'm extremely grateful that they have always given me the utmost creative freedom. They've always let me do what I want to do. I commend them. If, you know, if any parents are listening, you know, just let the kids go after what they're passionate for. It really makes all the difference. They're putting their energy to this five to seven days a week. Like it it matters on, on where you're spending your time. So yeah, grateful that my parents kind of saw that work ethic that I showed them early on. And I just continued to do that throughout. That's awesome. So, so basically you, you drop out basically junior year to, to get a job, basically go into the freelance world. Um, Could you just tell us about um, just freelancing and just like what lessons you learned early on in your career? I know you talked about the internship that kind of went bad, but other lessons that you learned early on that you still remember or or think about and use today? Yeah. So freelance is is a little bit of a different beast. The job offer was actually a full-time job. So I wasn't freelancing anymore, but I was in the position full-time now. But a lot of, but things that I learned early on were you know, knowing what you're kind of getting into, understanding your role and responsibilities when you go into these positions, especially at the smaller shops, because there's usually not a corporate structure spelled out. So just know where you really kind of stand and what they want you to do. And then what what are you going to bring to the role too? Like, what are you adding to this? How are you kind of elevating what's already going on if it's in a creative standpoint? And really kind of molding that to make it yours but having those like parameters on what that is. I will say this though, when, so I, I take this job offer, right? And I'm 21 at the time, like I'm extremely young. There's no creative director. There's no design director. That's me. I'm the only person in the creative department. You know what right. I mean? Like, of course I have people that I report to, but I report to the owner and mm-hmm. our manager who's managing everybody in the company. And we're about 10 people just to kind of give you approximate on the size. Okay. So when you're kind of really just going to yourself at the end of the day and just like making sure the client's happy, it's hard coming out of that schooling, especially like Mm -hmm. dropping out and then you're their own boss. Mm -hmm. So you really have to kind of like understand what you need to do. So I think early learnings were just, you know, if you're going to dive right in, make sure you're doing that education on the side. Like, can you read books about leadership? Can you read 
what can you do to educate yourself from t- making that jump and being able to really thrive in that position that you're in? I wish I would have done a little bit more like learning and stuff, you know, in my spare time after work and just really being able to own that position as best as possible. Right. That's what, that's what was going to be actually my follow-up to that was, I think we all have that experience once we go from school to the professional world that there's certain intangibles that you can have in the professional world as far as communication skills and self-discipline and just those type of things. Um, I guess a follow-up would be what, what would you tell your self in college based on once you got that job and had all that responsibility that you weren't expecting? What would you have um, told yourself for advice or what to go to and learn? Uh, now that you have that knowledge? I think being more of like a YouTube learner, you know, because that was right really when like things were kind of starting. So like YouTube stuff, like what Mm. could I have been watching on YouTube just to understand? Or, I mean, it's so rich what we can find off of YouTube now. I mean, we can go look, we can go find lectures in different parts of Switzerland. You know what I mean? Like there's so much invaluable information on YouTube. And I just wish I would have tapped into that a little bit more and honestly been more proactive about finding a creative mentor that kind of helped bridge that gap coming straight from school into that kind of lead design role. Yeah, for sure. I guess in that role, did you end up finding any mentors? Because I feel like that is is something that's one of those invaluables in having in your journey coming up. Were you able to, I guess, look to somebody or have start building relationships with other creatives? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, like it was me and then like a couple interns that would rotate like mm-hmm. per different quarters that would kind of come in and, and help us and work with us. So I definitely had good mentorships in terms of the business side of things at that specific position. Once I got out of that though, so I ended up leaving there and I go to Chicago and I get an internship at a really big ad agency because I wanted that nurturing, you know, mentorship, creative atmosphere. And that's what really honestly made me go to that next step was because I knew that I needed something else. I knew that I needed to go learn from like some more not reputable but some top creative heavy hitters to go really like understand process understand that structure and written the leadership stuff is huge and it's it's all communication but it's understanding the roles responsibilities and then delegation for sure yeah for sure yeah so I guess going from kind of being your own boss as you explained in the position that you had with that job to what you're doing now at Complex, I'm sure there was a good amount of things that happened between that. Could you just briefly describe your path from your first kind of main job to this job you have now? Sure. So like I mentioned, left left the gig in LA uh, a couple of years after I started that. Then I go to Chicago and I basically like make my rounds to like a circuit of advertising agencies there, which uh, you know, when you're in school and you're studying art direction, it was a focus with advertising. So when, you know, you're in school, you, you know, you're being taught and told all these cool agencies that, you know, are iconic within the industry. So I think that's kind of something that's 
put on a pedestal early in school. And it's more of a focus with like the advertising agencies. As we learn and understand that you can be a creative in other different agencies, you know, it, it kind of spawns off of that. Um, but the, the trajectory was the circuit through Chicago and then leaving my, the last position in Chicago. And then I, I freelanced full time after that. And I, uh, I traveled a bit. I took freelance clients on the road and I just kind of worked from wherever I could and then took all those freelance projects with me. And then after I kind of stopped doing that, I wanted to get back into like a more full-time role. That's when I went into Complex. Oh, okay. Wow, I almost want to ask about those years you were traveling and on the road doing freelance. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you uh, end up um, traveling to? I was very grateful to get uh, a connection through a client that I had in Chicago. And I was able to travel quite a few places. Uh, I went to Sydney, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Barcelona, Paris, London. And I think that was the stint for like that couple of years when I was freelancing. That's so cool. At the time, at the time, what was like after you had like kind of finished that and were thinking, I want to like settle down. What was, cause I've obviously traveling opens up your whole perspective and you learn a lot of lessons. Um, yeah. What did you kind of take away from that whole experience of traveling? I'm curious. Man, I mean, your mind just opens up to so much more. You know, you're seeing a bunch of different cultures. You really see just how people are operating things differently. And a lot of, I, I would kind of strategically go to certain cities when they were doing an art week or a design week. Mm -hmm. So I was around a community that was really like seeking out kind of what was going on at that time and you're really seeing the best of the best from that city because of the curation that you're seeing at either the big expos that people are traveling there for but the whole city lights up when anything big like that's usually going on so like right. the galleries there's so many events there's a lot of different things that are going on in the city that activate the city which shines even a brighter light on wherever you're at at the time but it's really opened my mind up to just a whole new world of things for sure traveling I, I can't recommend that enough for people yeah I I even uh I just traveled to Barcelona recently too and that was oh, uh nice. that was my first time outside of the country and uh turns out my Spanish from high school still works right. <laughs> but um but yeah I guess um moving on from 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 freelancing to to coming back to complex, you said that your kind of mindset was you wanted to settle down, go into more um, corporate role. I guess could you explain more of your mindset when you uh, when you got the opportunity and you were going into your was your initial position what you have now? So I the job posting that I originally went into was for a designer. Okay. So I go in for a design interview. And then I end up getting a senior design role at the end of the interview process. And then a year into the position is when I got promoted to art director. Hmm. So that's really good. <laughs> I guess, um, I, I mean, could you tell us more about just like your, 
I mean, you you rose pretty quickly. What was just your experience working at Complex and and being able to rise to such a high position is such a it's such a kind of name brand, especially in our generation of 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 companies. For sure. So before I went into Complex, I had a lot of experience prior, and I also had freelance role with even higher positions. So I had freelance roles gotcha. as like an associate creative director as a senior art director. So I, I was kind of already in this like higher level, but I really wanted to work there. And I had heavy interest in what they were obviously doing. So, you know, I, I was down to just get in and figure out whatever that move was for me to get in. Like, okay, cool. Like I'll work my, my way up to get back to like the title or, you know, the position that um, I, I really want to be at. So that's really kind of how that happened. But the art director, when I got promoted to that, that was actually a job that they were listing out to try and hire for. So when I saw that they were looking to hire this, I was like, wait, what? I'm going to apply for this because right. I want this role. So that's how that happened. That's really dope. Yeah. Um, so good. seek opportunities out because things don't always just come to you. You have to seek these things out. That, that's a fact. That is a fact. Could you also go in just a little bit more of, um, you said that you had wanted to work at Complex, you were excited about what they were doing. Um, what did, what at the time was like your intention of like, this is what I wanna bring um, kind of to the company and I guess to the world? Yeah, so I think when you're going into any sort of creative role, you want to obviously bring, you know, your perspective of this. And I'm extremely grateful that I was able to bring a global perspective now to a role like this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, different types of inspirations that you're going to be pulling, things that you're going to be looking at a little bit differently, uh, but kind of, you know, just really maintaining what they were doing, but elevating that a little bit. So mm -hmm. uh, I primarily work within brand partnerships. So, you know, we don't have a, the biggest heavy hand in the clients that kind of come to us because that's more of a sales and strategy team. But it, once we do get these projects coming in, it's definitely something that we're always see. How can we make this feel more organic? How can this just feel pushed? You know, like the creative pulls you in, the design pulls you in, the design doesn't feel just secondary, the design, you know, almost has this primary effect on whatever we're doing. And, you know, it ranges project to project. Like these things, sometimes it's really small, sometimes it's huge. It just kind of depends on the scope of the work. Right. No, I want to ask, um, like, could you describe what you think makes those projects successful? And like the approach to the work, the mindset, uh, I think really is what it comes down to. But what, uh, what has been that thing, that key for you that you think has made the projects go? I think, you know, having something that fits together already, not having a forced relationship. So going into a project, starting off successful with already having a good slate to work from. You already have a cool brief. You have, if you're bringing talent together, if you're bringing a brand together, is there already this harmony between them? And then, you know, how can we kind of research a little bit more of that? What's the vibe? What's the aesthetic? Because a lot of stuff 
is talent influenced with what we do. So a lot of it's after we lock the talent in, you know, how can we make sure that their aesthetic and their vibe is also kind of coming into what we're doing in a successful partnership. So I think success, I mean, obviously we can spell success out with metrics and, you know, different different studies and brand studies and things that we can do after the program to see how it performed. But I think success comes down to your team and the people that are working on that project. Obviously the audience, we want them to love what we're doing too. But if you don't have the internal workings going well and people are excited and, and happy with that, what they're doing, I think the audience is really inapt now to, they see that, they feel that. So if that's not working, you know, the editor can only do so much if it's like a video project, right? To make right. sure that we keep that same vibe and element. But I think success comes down to really strong process, having strong look and feel and moves boards and having things fit together in harmony and being proud of the work that you're doing at the end of the day. So if I'm working with designers on my team, they're happy with what they're doing. Everybody's happy with the work that you're actually putting out. I think that honestly really spells success. Right. Actually, I want to ask a, a follow-up to that. You said a really key word, harmony. And um, just a follow-up on what you were just talking about, how do you think you've been able to successfully harmonize, especially at a big company like Complex? I'm not sure how big your team is, but um, I'm sure you have to delegate and organize and meet deadlines and stuff like that. So how do you, how do you harmonize that whole process? I think it's finding what process works best and then having other people understand the design process because I think that can also be a learning curve even honestly with internal people new employees you know there's always there's always things moving around a lot so it's also having other people understand that process and then just sticking to that so I think it adds stress when things are delayed you know things get pushed back or moved out, which happens pretty often. It could be right. location, it could be talent, it could be the, usually it's the client, but you know, there's other environmental things that can kind of happen with things that will push out deadlines, but it's knowing, and honestly, it's, it's knowing where you guys kind of stand, but also what can you prep for ahead of time? Like if something can go wrong, what is that? And then how can you have a backup plan or just kind of preemptively be thinking ahead on, on what you can do when, if this does get pushed back, you know, is right. what's the other option or, you know, sometimes we pull in, you know, different freelancers on our end, like a, we're working with an illustrator or like a 3d artist or somebody else. And it usually just comes down to timeline and just managing expectations. Right. Yeah, for sure. I feel that. So my next question is, uh, Complex is obviously one of the biggest institutions kind of like in culture that we have right now. So has that given you kind of a sense of responsibility in your role and like maintaining kind of like a quality of the culture in a sense? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's top of mind for not only myself, but everybody that's there. I mean, we're always thinking about does this fit, you know, how, how could this work better? Is it organic? Um, 
is this something that our audience is even going to want to see or listen to? You know, I think that's right. always definitely something top of mind. And also just making sure that diversity is a huge factor with what we're doing, you know, making sure we're elevating, you know, small businesses, small artists mm -hmm. in all sorts of facets, like musicians, freelance, illustrators, 3D, you know, making sure that we're just being mindful on who we're hiring and, you know, who we're working with is absolutely a responsibility for sure. And who you're working with, like you've worked obviously with some of all the biggest names in entertainment and huge brands. Like, can you explain how that's accomplished? Yeah, so we have a lot of really hardworking teams that help facilitate all of these like inner workings on how a, a big like collaborative project would come together. So like sales team is, is what usually brings the brand client in. And then the talent team, is, you know, they're working with the different management companies or the artists or, you know, they're working on those connections to bring that piece in. And then you have like an operational team who helps kind of structure everything and project manage the whole, the whole project or campaign or, or whatever it may be for that creative brief. So there's a lot of different inner working stuff that all come together to, to really make that happen. Gotcha. And when all of it comes together perfectly, right? That's the best. And is there a favorite project that you've gotten to work on? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, everybody always has their bias for things that they're just interested a little bit more in. So I definitely am always excited when we are doing anything like the fashion category. Um, so we've done a couple of really cool Dior lookbooks recently that have definitely been like a favorite project. Uh, but I would say, honestly, Hiking with Rappers, the original show that we launched last year. I mean, these are like my favorite things. Like, as I mentioned, like I grew up, you know, in the country, like having like, like idol iconic hip hop artists that I grew up with that are mm -hmm. going for a hike, like right. out in LA, like that's crazy to me. Like, so that's right. definitely been like a favorite project for sure. And do you have a favorite part of the job or responsibility? Yeah, I mean, you know, as as the art directors go, like we love concepting, bringing things to life, putting together that look and feel board, creating the overall vision. And then the executional part is fun too. You know, there's definitely challenges and hurdles that come with that, but being able to set that concept, I, I definitely would say is my favorite part for sure. Cool. Now, uh, I guess uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, I wanted to ask you about um, what you do with the state of green. Could you just explain yes. a little bit what that is and uh, when that started and just what you what you do with that? Sure. So the state of green started when I was living in Chicago and it started off as a cannabis really kind of Instagram account. I guess you could say blog, but it was really just an Instagram account. Right. So it started kind of like fostering this fun, like little community with just strictly cannabis content that I felt didn't have any sort of aesthetic to it. Or if it had an aesthetic, it was just not with the kind of influences that I wanted to bring, you know, to the creative space for it. Right. So that's what, that's what originally the state of green started as. And then when I, um, left that advertising 
advertising gig in Chicago and I went full freelance, I, I reevaluated what State of Green was. And I realized, you know, State of Green is really this like overall mindset on all these other things that I, I really love. So, you know, and I think that are important. So it's sustainability, it's a mindfulness on the categories that we're working within. It's, you know, the environmental impact that there's small, there's so many small and big decisions that we can make that can actually really help the environment when we're doing certain shoots, how we're looking at like a build for something, what materials we're using. So it was kind of this idea of bringing this green sustainable mindset to projects, but taking on projects that aren't always in the sustainable category. So kind of breaking those boundaries of like artists, cover our different types of things in that category and, and how can that translate to embracing nature you know using natural light instead of artificial lights which is a lot easier said than done for sure but no, it's just being fun. more mindful yeah i remember that the mindful. first time that we talked uh, you brought that up because i was showing you some of the stuff that we did and you mm -hmm. pointed that out that that was great for the environment that like a bunch of our shoots are outdoors. And I was like, oh, that, that is a good point. I, yeah. I didn't think about that, but it is. And it's much yeah. more difficult to plan and organize and get the right shot outdoors than in like a controlled environment. Right, right. Look so there's it. definitely, you know, a little, a little work on each side of those things, but it was really this mindset you know, how can we look at the environment, at nature? How can we bring these two things together and, and work well? Right. And just be in support of each other. Because, you know, if, if there's no guy, if there's no Mother Earth, then it, what are we doing? You know what I mean? That's facts. Got to protect guy at all costs. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, did you also, so is the state of green... Um, is that also what you did your free, your freelance, sorry, uh, freelance work through, or is that just uh, its own brand? Yeah. So freelance, so the freelance work I funnel through the state of green, cause that's my okay. own business. That's my own company that I run. And I usually either bring in freelancers to work with me on projects for the state of green, um, gotcha. and just kind of take it on like case by case, right. uh, but it's art direction stuff. It's also brand consulting. Uh, you know, there's there's quite a few things that I kind of do underneath the state of green. And there's also like a love for hospitality, also like intertwined with the state of green too. I spent I spent years in the hospitality industry too, and that's always been another love of mine. So anytime like there's a food and beverage project or something else, that's definitely something that I usually work with in state of green. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so how would you compare, I guess, um, maybe for somebody who's listening, who, who is thinking about, oh, I really like, I want to do like the state of green type thing. And another person is like, I want to work at Complex. Obviously you can do both, but how would you compare the freelance work you've done to the corporate work that you've done? I guess, as far as the process of being your own boss versus being in a corporate structure. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're two very different roles. Freelance, you have to remember, you're playing all the roles, not just all the creative roles, but you're playing account. You're doing all of the time management. 
you're project managing everything. You're also, you know, accountable and, you know, you're, if someone's not paying, you have to follow up with them to get paid. Uh, you also have to pay your taxes. I recommend paying them uh, quarterly every year. So you don't get some very large sum that you owe the IRS at the end of the year from all your freelance clients. Um, so, yeah, I think they're just two very different beasts, honestly, the freelance world, you know, you have you have all your own creative say for sure, but then you're also doing all those other working parts. When you're in the corporate structure, you have a team that you work with and that you can lean on for all these other things. So like, I'm you know definitely not dealing with accounts billable for any of like the complex projects. You know what I mean? And right. it, there's also those perks of the corporate life where you know you have health benefits and you have paid leave and paid vacation, and then anything else that you know they might be adding in for any like um, compensation packages or bonuses and structures and things like that. So it's really a stability thing. And it's like kind of where you are with your lifestyle, what makes mm -hmm. more sense for you at that time? Do you have more, do you have a family that you need to really make sure that, you know, you're catering to Then you know, you, you might need a little bit more of that support or just want that support, but right. you know, it depends on who you ask, but people have, have different things, but it's very different. Freelance versus corporate life is very different for sure. Yeah. I Let think me it's ask, like, I want to say like continuing on freelance um, versus corporate, like, can you just speak yeah. on the mindset that it takes and kind of like, just the muscles that you have to flex in your brain to do one versus the other. Yeah. So I think starting with corporate, I mean, your, your, I guess your soft skills, you could say your communication skills are so crucial. They are so important. The way you're talking internally with your team, uh, you know, making sure you understand the facts before you're trying to either delegating or you're scheduling a regroup, understanding where all of these things stand and making sure you're comprehending everything before you're even jumping into a meeting about it, which obviously time is not always on our side for that. But as much as you can kind of like educate yourself on, on what you're kind of getting into, it just makes for better conversation and a better, more productive meeting by knowing what you're jumping into. So you're not just dealing with yourself and your clients and, you know, your small freelancers on a freelance front, you know, you have this much larger team and you have this corporate structure that you're reporting into. So you have to kind of have a mindset of that, but I think muscles that you need to flex patience is everything in both sectors. This is helpful for corporate or freelance and just life right. in general, right. but patience is big taking everything with a grain of salt, not getting worked up about things and just, you know, looking strictly at the facts and just trying to stay as calm and level-headed as possible. So when curveballs do get thrown your way in whatever that may be, you, you know how to kind of work around that and you know, you know, how to kind of structure your own self and you're good with yourself internally to just be able to handle all that. Because a lot more will get thrown at you I feel like from a corporate structure versus freelance, because if you're freelancing, you know, I'm sure you have a couple clients, but it's usually not as much as like what I'm taking on like a complex, like complex mm -hmm. is usually like an easy, like 10 projects, like maybe not at all times, but like 10 projects is like usually kind of what's going on. 
in a freelance capacity. Well, and I'm doing this full time. So I'm, you know, the freelance stuff is much like slimmer and calmer. And usually only if something is like, is really cool or it's a friend or something I really want to do, then I'll do that in the freelance capacity. But if I'm just freelancing full time, then, you know, I think realistically, like rotating three clients is if you're by yourself and you're sole proprietor, I think, you know, you're kind of navigating three clients and doing everything else on top of that. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the point that I was going to make a bit earlier just around this whole topic is I just I brought it up mostly because entrepreneurship in this era is the sexy thing to do if you're a young person. Um, and I don't, just don't think that it gets stated enough. Um, I think people mostly look at the glitz and glamour of it, but with the more, because obviously you want to, people want to get an entrepreneurship because they want to have more time freedom. Um, they want to be able to, uh, I guess, place freedom, be able to work from wherever they want. But with that more time and that more freedom becomes extra responsibility in that it's all, like you said, you're all five players on the basketball team <laughs> or four might have one extra one. You wear all the hats. And um, I just think that it doesn't get spoken about the discipline that's needed to be able to run your own company um, because I think a lot of people are trying it and seeing that it's a lot more difficult than other people make it seem so I just wanted to make that point yeah no I'm glad you bring that up and it's you know not only you having to maintain all of that structure yourself and that focus but mm -hmm. there's so much more room for distractions because right. you know if you're most people starting off don't have some you know office co-working shares usually you're either at your home office or maybe a coffee shop and there's so many more environmental things that come into play when you're trying to just get work done so mm -hmm. yeah like the glitz and glamour of how it can come off like from the facade like yes making your own schedule is really great but there's also like a very rigid like structure you know form that you really kind of have to embrace and know that for yourself you're able to really do that and you don't right. need somebody kind of acting as your checks and balances mm -hmm. yeah totally agree so like continuing even off of that same note for someone that thinks of themselves as a creative uh that's like kind of a big question because you can make your own portfolio school kind of works different the way people kind of treat um kind of everything you've done in the past kind of works different in the creative space um so what advice would you give to a young creative person that would want to do what you do whether it be um entrepreneurial or like something like a complex i'm gonna break this up into two parts well i'll, I'll do like a trajectory with like freelance and then uh like the more of like rigid kind of that art director role. Okay. Art direction is also a thing that you can do it in different facets. Like obviously I'm in media, so I'm an art director within media, but there's also art directors in film. There's also art directors in advertising, art directors in 
marketing. And there's a lot of different silos that you can kind of take that. So find where you want to be and where you want to fit into that section of art director. If you want to do art direction in media, then, you know, follow everything media based on whatever city that you want to be in, you know, like, and that can be whatever, like that can be radio, that can be digital stuff, that can be print media. There's still people doing print. There's still people out there doing billboards. Anything that can kind of get you in that world is just going to make a stronger case for you to get up to like, if it's a certain magazine or a certain publisher that you want to get into, uh, just stay focused on that and, and really try and find your path. I think education definitely helps. I think going to a school for art direction, which uh, it, it's not the, the most, uh, I guess, you're not seeing that degree pop up everywhere. That's for sure. It's definitely much more niche, but find a school that, that does offer that program. And there's other things that you can also do. Like there's a lot of different art director groups, design groups, things of that nature that you can also get involved in to either to do courses if you don't want to commit to like an actual school yet, you know, look for a course in art direction. YouTube is a great place to even just kind of get a grasp on like what that day-to-day looks like, what that art director role looks like. But I think to get into what I'm doing currently would definitely be, you know, just start started media, which I didn't start in media. I started in advertising and then kind of made my way into media. Um, so obviously you can kind of do both ways, but if you are sp- specifically, tr- that's like your, your pie in the sky that you want to get to, I would definitely start with media because I think you'll just get there faster. And then gotcha. from a freelance standpoint, I think it's, you still need to have like, you know, some other experience in other things. Cause I think gaining your, your freelance clients, you, you have to have some sort of rapport with people. Right. And the best clients are usually coming word of mouth. I, I wouldn't even put it as best clients, but a lot of stuff starting out for freelancers is, is word of mouth. And they're looking for certain people to do art direction or creative direction or whatever they kind of need help with brand mm-hmm. identity a lot of it's word of mouth. So make sure you have that that networking system on you know what kind of areas you want to work with industry-wise. And I think just building that up as strong as possible will definitely help you kind of create your own thing. And you know, get the LLC, you know, do your start your business right. Don't run everything underneath just your own name. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of other like more little like nuanced things that I think people kind of forget about. Uh, right. when they're starting their own freelance company. Yeah, gotcha. for, sure. for me, I would say, like someone that wanted to be creative, um, mm-hmm. the answer was to start my own company because I was young, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of looked at what Kanye did and like how angry that he was in like, everything that he was saying pointed to like if he had started Yeezy at college dropout I feel like that would have alleviated some things and so that's what I did (laughs) and now it's like that network that you're talking about to be able to be successful in like an independent lane we're able to build that at a young age because we started doing at a young age which is great um yeah but uh 
still off of that, like for young creatives, I want to ask, like, are there any specific like softwares and like stuff that you would use like on the computer and like a day to day or just stuff um, that would be helpful to learn uh, for such as any young creative? Yeah, I mean, definitely know the Adobe Suite, Photoshop, Illustrator, After Effects, anything in design, uh, anything outside of that, I think is more of a plus up when for the resume, right. for when you're in the interviews. SketchUp is big for like experiential. Any, if you wanted to that kind of dive into like some 3D software. Uh, but I don't think you need to go overboard with that. I think that's more of like a nice to have um, any sort of like video editing stuff. I think that's always a nice to have as well. I mean, no one's final cut has, you know, kind of had its day and it's kind of gotten into a workplace now, but even just being able to like mess around in premiere and be able to cut up something. Cause I mean, sometimes like you're on a crazy deadline and and you and you're that last person that has to be able to do something so i think having like a little bit of a skill set and those things is really helpful uh but yeah the adobe suite is a great place to start okay cool i'll actually um add on on top of that um what kind of uh, i know you mentioned like patience before as being like something that you recommend everybody needing in whatever they're doing in life what other like soft skills um, because obviously I think people are just starting in like the media, whatever, and even in sports, I think it's why it's become a little bit bigger on the mental health side of the game, mm -hmm. um, just the game of life. And now we're starting to take that more into account. Um, what things in, in your journey have you, have you, uh, found to be helpful in keeping your peace and what would you offer others as advice? Yeah, I think, you know, self-awareness, self-care, which is obviously more of a, a trendy word that has kind of stuck with us through COVID and outside of that. But honestly, that stuff really does matter. Being able to, you know, meditate or, or just finding that space of calmness in your life, whatever that may be, to just kind of get away from the world for a minute. I think that's really important. I think setting that time that works best for you rather be morning, night, morning and night, um, any sort of stretching or yoga, I also think is really good because when your body's right, your mind is is closer to being right or you know, where, where you find that peace. Uh, I also think diet is really important too and what you're eating. Um, you know, a, a lot of the times you can get like, just, it depends on like what you're trying to do and like what you're comfortable with doing, but like, honestly, the more plant-based, the better, like the, the, the less, you know, you, you guys know diets, but you know, for anyone else listening, I think diet's really important. The cleaner, the better, the, le the less mm -hmm. added stuff to what you're eating, the better your mind just functions so much better. And, mm -hmm. and you, and people see the difference. Actually, I was listening to this podcast recently and someone was talking about diet <clears throat> and giving, kind of saying exactly what you were saying but put it in a way i'd never heard before and they said you should eat more they said kind of basically you should eat more light meaning that mm -hmm. you should eat more things that have been touched by the light meaning greens mm -hmm. and things that are grown outside things that have been touched by sun will mm -hmm. bring more will give you more light 
kind of quite literally. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, I just wanted to mention that. I think that's a, another vital thing, um, just our mindset and how we get through the journey. Yeah, and drinking water throughout the day, that's also very crucial. And I mean, I will say this, like, you know, be careful with devices. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in things, especially in media and entertainment, advertising, any industry. It's not just those. It's it's all industries that kind of see that. But definitely be mindful of those things and, and watch your consumption and watch your overconsumption and just, you know, be smart. Like, even with networking events and stuff like that, like, you know, don't don't be the sauciest one in the room. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with saucy <laughs> I mean, cool with your friends you know what i mean <laughs> I that's just my opinion though right no, i i feel you um so, yeah jay go ahead yeah i was gonna say just to wrap up on like helping kind of young creatives any other like hard skills I think um, you've expressed kind of like your whole like life from the point that you're even in high school and college, you knew that you wanted to be in more of a leadership position, whether that be entrepreneurial or even in corporate, like still be a leader. Um, and you also mentioned like reading some leadership books. Are there any books that you would recommend um, in that lane? And what hard skills do you think are just most useful for creative people to cultivate? Uh, book, book recommendation, Bren Brown, Dare to Lead. I would definitely recommend that. And then hard skills. I mean, we went over the Adobe suite, which is definitely, I mean, you know, know, know your Mac, know your computer. Uh, I kind of want to elaborate a little more on soft skills. Can we do that instead for of sure. hard skills? Because I feel like yeah. hard skills is very specific to technology, software, mm -hmm. what you're doing right. in your day-to-day -day and, and what you kind of need to know technology-wise, which, you know, is very important and crucial to the role because you definitely need to understand how all of those programs work and how to create in those. But, you know, I think the soft skills too are like, like I mentioned earlier, like communication, um, the different kind of leadership, the leadership stuff, but also, you know, how you're listening like how are you listening to others how are you absorbing that how are you putting that back out you know um being an active listener where you're you're really listening to somebody not just thinking on the next thing that you want to say i think that's really important uh, trying to think what else uh, you know maintaining relationships i think that's also really important it's like a soft skill in what, whatever you're doing freelance, corporate, whatever, just, just be kind to people, be nice to people. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of the times, and we see this too, you know, in, in idols or icons that we look up to this very inflated ego, which yes, of, of course, like we understand that, especially people who have certain accolades or, you know, are at a certain kind of tier in their career you don't have to have this inflated ego though. You know what I mean? Like be right. kind to people. Kindness really just can overrule so many things. And it some and it really matters at the end of the day, like who's nice to work with and who's just, you know, a little bit more like ego driven. 
Right. You're not always the one making those decisions on the hiring process either. So just Thanks. being kind to people and, you know, being responsive. And there's so many small things that you can do to make yourself, you know, really so much better just as that partnership, as that mm-hmm. collaborator, as that coworker, which can make all the difference. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And just that, it, that being nice to people sometimes is very underrated. I think a very like important question everybody should ask themselves, especially as like a young person wanting to start a professional career and even just every day in life is how can I bring positive energy to the people and to the things around me? And that comes from how am I treating myself? Mm-hmm. If I, am I respecting myself with my consumption, with how I'm treating my body? Mm-hmm. Cause that's going to be a direct correlation to how you treat everybody else how your business relationships are going to go um how your friendships how your intimate relationships are going to go all comes Mm -hmm. back down to how are you treating yourself and what what how much time are you gonna like because i feel like there's a big um what would i say just like culturally everyone's like grind i'd say grind culture but it's like how much of that time from grinding grinding per se working is like are you going to work on yourself as well and like mm-hmm. what percentage of that and how are you going to find that balance i think that's what I, I kind of everybody in this mindfulness renaissance is thinking about especially since the pandemic but i just think that is something that we need to like stay focused on and just the understanding that all of what's going on out there like comes from how we're treating ourselves and experience ourselves. So yeah, I just want to make that point. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that's really valid. And it's, it's a reflection. What, what, how you're feeling inside and what you're doing internally is, is always a reflection outward and people yep. see that and people resonate that people feel that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely important to maintain that. And, you know, I think that's one of the blessings coming out of COVID too, is, the fact that people can respect that time a little bit more when you are right. doing, you know, something just for yourself, when right. you know you're not indulging in things, or you know you need just a reset day, and and now that's more of the conversation, which I think is a big blessing coming out of that. Yeah, for sure. For better or worse, it's more popular now. So yeah. hopefully, we take it for better. Yeah. All right. So yeah. wrapping up, last few questions. Uh, I'm going to ask in general, uh, what does different mean to you? Different means being yourself. I think all of us have a different perspective and a different take on things. Sticking to that and not being afraid to stick to that is very important. That's what I would say different is. No, that was that was perfectly concise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have a, a couple of, um, I have two questions for you actually sure. to wrap up. Uh, and then lastly, I ask you where people can find you. But the first one I'm actually going to steal from my, the very first podcast I used to listen to, um, it's called School of Greatness by Lewis Howes. Um, I'm going to steal his outro question, which is, it's basically kind of a hypothetical scenario in where um basically 
you um when you die everything that you did all the history all the accolades all everything that you've done has to go with you and you basically only get to leave three truths of based on what you learned in your life um so yeah if you only had three truths to leave when you left what would your treat three truths be three three truths show up stay sharp stay true to yourself i like those i think those are my three truths yeah i like those and then a follow-up on to that one is what do you want your legacy to be I mean, hopefully to be known for some sort of creative something <laughs> or just, you know, fun to work with, doing good work. Uh, you know, I think when we think about like legacies and what we want to leave behind, it's just having a positive impact on people, having a positive impact with the work that you're putting out, the work you're executing, uh, the communities that you're involved in, how involved were you with those communities or you know, those mindsets that you were in, or not even really mindsets, but just interests of you, you know, hobbies, interests, things that you do for others, volunteer work, um, you know, hopefully the legacy will kind of, you know, this uh, kind of renaissance woman, I guess, in a sense of, you know, just kind of encompassing all these things that can stay together, but have a positive impact and, you know, have, you know, more of an elevated look to that. Sure. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, uh, for joining us. My last question is, uh, where can people find you if they're interested in you or the work that you've done thus far? Uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So as mentioned earlier, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the state of green. Um, you can find me on basically all social platforms, usually under that handle. Um, or check us out at Complex if you're not familiar with us and see all the stuff we're posting on there. Complex.com or at Complex on all social handles. Facts. Well, again, thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation. Um, hopefully yeah. we'll be able to talk again sometime soon, but until then, keep doing the great work that you're doing and uh, yeah. keep inspiring others on your way. Yeah, you guys as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.